Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgadorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at Season 3, Episode 10, Speed Trapped, in which Daria and Quinn go on a little adventure through, I guess, the Southwest uh, to bail <laughs> Jane and Mystic Spiral out of jail. This episode aired on July 28th, 1999, and it was written by Sam Johnson and Chris Marshall. You may remember them from such episodes as College Board, ranked 28th on our super scientific rankings, and um, <laughs> The Big House, ranked 33rd, The New Kid, ranked 32nd, <laughs> and Depth Takes a Holiday, ranked 35th. Hmm. <laughs> Perhaps as an act of mercy, this is the last episode the duo wrote. <laughs> Not a great track record, and I will say when I uh, when I really quick popped into like Outpost Daria's episode summary for this, uh, or like their episode outline or whatever, uh, and I saw Sam Johnson, Chris Marshall, I was it, I let out an audible groan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I googled the big house again to remind myself of which episode that was. And, oh. and the picture that came up was um, Daria's mom with the like Ten Commandments, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not a great track record for these guys. Um, I, mm, I don't want to get into it yet, but yeah, not a great track record for these guys. With that, do we want to get into the beat by beat? Yes, we do. All right. We open with Daria taking her driver's exam, Lenny Kravitz's I Belong to You on the radio as she demonstrates her ability to parallel park to a very, very openly relieved instructor. She pulls into Jane's later on and shows off her brand spanking new driver's license. Jane invites Daria in for a celebratory cake, which is looking a little worse for wear because it was originally purchased back when Daria took the test the first time. Thankfully, Trent and the rest of Mystic Spiral show up and take it off their hands. Turns out they're gearing up for their world tour, quote unquote, which translates roughly to we got a gig in Fremont, which is 100 miles away. They've roped Jane into driving for them, and they try to get Daria to come along, but she's house-sitting as Helen and Jake are away for the weekend. Speaking of Helen and Jake, we head back to the Morgendorfer house, and they're fighting. Surprise, surprise. Uh, they take a break from their spat to let Daria know how proud they are that she got her license, and just like that, they're on their way out the door for a marriage counseling retreat. Daria gets a few seconds to enjoy the quiet before the fashion club arrives with a radio blaring picture of you by Boyzone. Uh, she doesn't have time to bemoan the situation, though, because almost immediately she gets a call from Jane, who's in friggin' jail with the rest of Mystic Spiral. Boyzone? Boyzone. <laughs> do do you know of Boyzone? I, I this is completely off of my radar. 
<laughs> I know of Boyzone. I do okay. not know anything by Boyzone. I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I like Googled picture of you, I would probably recognize it. But, but it's probably definitely a fashion club kind of song. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure they were listening to some to some Bach. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> going back, back, back to the driver's exam. The symbol on the hood of Daria's car, which, hey, Daria has a car, magically. <laughs> Did you notice that? Like, it must be really nice to live in those uh, in those wealthy suburbs, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what? I didn't think of that. What? Where, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> she just kind of has a car. Yeah, she does. Or is it... Well, because the Morgendorfers have two cars, right? There's... Jake's well, and then there's, there's Jake's and, then and Helen's, Helen's is like a van or something. So she has a car. Well, does she, uh, does she, does she have a car or, or is she taking like Jake and Jake or Helen's car? I don't know. I, okay. So I really don't know. <laughs> I should recognize the damn thing by now. I, I could have sworn that you would have recognized it. Isn't Jake's car like um, a red car? It's, I think it's blue. Blue? Well, this car is blue, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Anyway, the symbol on the hood of the car, <laughs> uh, like it's probably what, like a play on Volvo or Volkswagen or something like that. But like when I saw it, I thought it was an upside down anarchy symbol, <laughs> 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 which really shows where my brain is right now. <laughs> which, which it was, by the way, an absolutely excellent opening to this episode where she's sitting in the driver's seat of a car saying like, We've been seeing each other for a while now, and I feel like this just isn't working out. <laughs> and pans over to the poor, terrified driving instructor. Uh, along those lines, uh, Daria's license photo, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And it gets the credit it deserves from Jane. <laughs> totally. We'll also note that, so, okay, a couple things here. First of all... Um, Outpost Daria Reborn actually points out that even though we see Daria's license, which should once and for all, you know, settle the debate on, hey, where the hell is Lawndale? It doesn't actually list a state anywhere. It just says Lawndale, <laughs> <laughs> which is like a little 20 year in the making middle finger from the writers to me. And then we're, we're I'm pushing a little bit ahead of, of where we're at at this point, but because we see you know, where the jail is and whatnot. So Fremont is very much like this dusty Southwestern town. And Lawndale, as we've established a whole bunch of times now, is somewhere in the mid-Atlantic. And I am struggling to think of anywhere in the mid-Atlantic where you can drive 100 miles and end up in a place like Fremont. So what state is Fremont in? I guess they're using Fremont, California, because there are there are a couple different Fremonts. Right. Okay. That's what I was wondering if, because yeah, I've heard of Fremont, California, but I wasn't sure yeah. if there was any other Fremont that I was missing. <laughs> <laughs> there are Fremonts, but they're, they're lesser Fremonts. Oh, okay. I'm sure that, that our listeners from Fremont will not take offense <laughs> from the lesser Fremonts. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it depends on which Fremont. Um <laughs> 
So the the Fremont in California is is in Southern California. It's near like San Jose, I think. And so it is kind of like right on the borderline of where you start getting into desert, uh, or at least you know more desert e ish. So it's it's pretty easy to imagine that like on a drive from somewhere in the Midwest to Fremont, you would have to pass through a town like what they like where they end up mm-hmm. in. But you know even conservatively saying that Lawndale is in like Western Maryland. <laughs> There's nowhere you can drive a hundred miles from Western Maryland and end up in a place like this dusty. It's me, be- <laughs> it's, it's me being pedantic, but also it's like, what? It's, <laughs> it's purposefully messing with you, Rob. <laughs> it totally is. With the viewers in general. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a bit like The Simpsons, Springfield, right? Yeah, yeah. They specifically chose Spring, like they chose the name Springfield, because like, there are a million different Springfields. So exactly. it's like yes. it could be anywhere. <laughs> so I don't know. This is this is something that I'm I'm gonna lose sleep over. So while the locational continuity for Lawndale is an absolute mess, uh, the refrigerator continuity for the Lane residence is on point. Oh, yes. The stains, <laughs> the red stains are just getting bigger. <laughs> <laughs> no one is worried about it. <laughs> and that refrigerator is empty except for the cake. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so Jane caught the band's encounter with the police on video, which sounds more damning than it actually is because the cop that pulled them over is just a big old teddy bear. Uh, unfortunately, the fine that they have incurred, as Jane swerved over the yellow line a few times, apparently, needs to be paid immediately at the sheriff's office, and nobody in the van has the cash. So into the slammer they go. Uh, Jake asks, or <laughs> Jane asks Daria to pick up some money from the Lane residence, along with Trent's song notebook, which he forgot. Quinn takes notice of Daria's stress level before Daria heads off to the Lanes and retrieves the items. Daria sneaks a peek at the notebook and is thoroughly unimpressed. Uh, back to her own house she goes. Daria gets in the car and is clearly bracing for a stressful trip when Quinn hops into the passenger seat. She's not going to let Daria drive off to God knows where by her lonesome because if something cool happened and she missed it, she'd never forgive herself. The two are barely out of the driveway before the bickering begins and Act 1 comes to an end to I Really Like It by Harlem World. So when did Jane get a license? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I don't think we knew about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprise. Yeah. So my my initial thought was, well, if they're in jail and Jane was driving, then it would be like she got pulled over and she doesn't have a license. So everybody's going. But no, it's a matter of she apparently swerved over the yellow line uh and that's that. But yeah, we never really talk about Jane and and her having a license and driving and such. So why is the band or like why are any of them actually in the jail cells? <laughs> Could you not know, even begin to tell you. Like they're just there to pay a fine. They're just waiting to pay a fine. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we need it for the dramatic effect, right? Pretty much, yeah. There's a whole or lot of comedic in this episode. effect, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole lot in this episode that, that kind of only happens be, because it needs to for the sake of uh, whatever the writers wanted to do. I don't mind it so much. Like it's kind of easy for me to believe that you know small town sheriff's office that doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of space. Like 
hey, you didn't pay your fine. You got to go in the clink until somebody can get you out. I can buy that. It's at least like plausible enough for me to not be like, what the hell? (laughs) But yeah, it's a weird little detail. Yeah. I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know. I could be completely wrong. Maybe that is procedure. (laughs) Yeah. Same, actually. (laughs) Uh, Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's really surprising. (laughs) Uh, uh, Once again, for those in the back, (laughs) the lyrics Daria read from Trent's notebook were, quote, my heart is like an open wound that reads the tea leaves of its doom. Soothe me with redemption's love like a heat-proof kitchen glove. (laughs) Not only do we have couplets, but there's some internal slant rhyme with soothe and heat-proof. Way to go, Trent. Really good stuff. I really appreciate that you broke that down. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's right there. I have to. This is what I went to school for. (laughs) I appreciate that you gave Trent's lyrics much more attention than Trent ever gave Trent's lyrics. (laughs) This was my job for like 10 years, so. (laughs) Uh, So we don't, uh, actually speaking of music, I guess, we don't usually comment on the royalty-free music uh, unless it's particularly egregious. And the royalty-free music they drop in when Quinn says, oh, this is the only thing I can listen to, is as egregious as it gets. It's awful. Mm, Yeah. Also, her glasses are really horrible too. Are they sunglasses? (laughs) Are they just glasses? I don't know. They're blue and tiny. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I remember seeing a lot of of glasses like those in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Well, she is very trendy. Yes. Where- you know, it's you can tell that they're not actually shielding much of anything from the sun. Like they're not doing much as sunglasses go. They just kind of look neat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now that you mention it, I remember those too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I am, uh, you know, as as we've kind of already noted, I'm hesitant to give any early credit to Johnson and Marcel because of how they've led us astray in the past. Um, But so far, this actually seems really solid. Like Aside from the enormous misstep in terms of geography, uh, so like aside from misplacing Lawndale by a solid thousand miles, um, (laughs) the the dialogue is pretty solid and snappy. The situation is, is new and interesting. We're given just enough to know that the reason behind Quinn coming along is less about FOMO and more about just kind of making sure her sister is okay. Uh, These are all really good things. Yeah, I do like the interaction between Quinn and Daria um, in in the beginning of this episode. Um, Yeah. It's, you know, it's sweet to see Quinn looking after her big sister. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like she giving her advice it, and everything. <laughs> it, we get that um it's a very quick look from Quinn to Dario when Daria is kind of like sitting there with her hand on her head <laughs> while the fashion club is doing whatever it's doing. And and you know, we see that manifest a little further when she gets in the car and then she's sort of covering for her own concern. But it, it's it's pretty well done. You know, it's it's very subtle. And I enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> All that being said, uh, this does feel a whole lot more like a normal sitcom plot 
than it does like a high school cartoon plot. Like this feels. Can you like say that again? <laughs> it's, it feels more like a normal sitcom plot than it does like a high school cartoon plot. Like this doesn't feel like something that high schoolers would go through. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Like this, this feels like a, this feels like, and probably is a, how I met your mother episode, you know, about like 20 somethings, you know, people who can, who can just like up and, and drive away for a little while without needing an excuse like, Oh yeah, my parents are, are gone for the weekend. So I, I can do this. Or, I don't know. It's, it's using those normal like TV tropes, you know? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Riding on them. <laughs> uh, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later too. Like there there is some discussion to be had about that, but I don't I don't think it. I'll say this: I think it's handled pretty well in this episode. But we'll get to further discussion on that. So Act Two opens on the highway where Iggy Pop's home is playing, and a newly licensed Daria is having a whole lot of trouble focusing or having a whole lot of trouble dealing with the hustle and bustle of highway driving. Uh, Quinn, a confident driver because, quote, what do you think people do on dates? Okay. Uh, convinces Daria <laughs> to pull over and gets behind the wheel. Uh, they're getting along just fine for a little bit until Quinn pulls over to pick up a good-looking hitchhiker. Daria is obviously not okay with this, but Quinn's argument boils down to in for a penny, in for a pound, and after a super convincing test of character... Howdy! I sure do appreciate this. You're not gonna murder us, are you? <laughs> Shoot, no. See, all you have to do is ask. Our cowboy hitchhiker friend, named Travis, hops aboard. Back at jail, a stranger gets tossed in with Mystic Spiral and brags about having toured with Jimi Hendrix. Jane, in the middle of drawing on the wall to the tune of Real Estate by Cypress Hill, is approached by a fellow inmate who wants that drawing tattooed on her arm. Back in the Morgadorfermobile, Quinn's enamored with Travis, despite Daria smelling something fishy about the guy. He starts playing the sister some Conway Twitty, and Daria rolls her eyes so hard they just about shoot out the back of her head. Oh boy. I feel for Daria here, uh, doing the highway driving right after getting her license. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes I still drive like that. <laughs> <laughs> highway driving can be the worst. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. My very first night with my license, uh, a friend and I were out bowling uh, and he convinced me to take him to Wendy's. I don't know why anybody would know this, but Tilton Road in in like the Ag Harbor Township, Northfield area of South Jersey, yeah. which is for, you know, for an area as relatively chill as South Jersey, Tilton Road in Northfield is extremely busy <laughs> yes. and it's, and it's a spot that you need to make a left turn out of. So you know, first night with my license, I'm making a left turn onto this extremely busy highway and at night too. Terrible idea. So of course I agreed to it. Uh, <laughs> and we almost, we almost got broadsided like twice <laughs> in one turn. Oh my uh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> totally feeling Daria's worries here. Yeah. I mean, there is no baptism by fire, like driving at night in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that is insanely quotable. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I will be here all night. <laughs> <laughs> that said, if there is one sandwich that I'm going to die in a car accident for, it's going to be the Wendy spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And they're not even a sponsor. <laughs> Wendy's. Music television you control. <laughs> I do like Quinn making the argument to Daria that, well, if you're... Yeah, if you, you've already basically stolen the car and taken it on a ride to go get your friend out of jail, you might as well pick up a hitchhiker because, quote, you're already accessorizing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot of really great little Quinn lines. Yeah, that that was a good line. <laughs> I, oh, and um, the way that Travis pronounces Daria's name is just so bad. <laughs> Daria. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe she's getting some flashbacks to uh, to Highland and Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) Probably. Travis is is telling stories, and Daria says, "Yeah, I heard something like that on Little House on the Prairie." (laughs) And I was going to make a crack like nobody's thought about a Little House on the Prairie in like thirty years until I realized that I mentioned it just two weeks ago (laughs) in our last episode. I was making a joke about your rural upbringings. Yes. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everybody looked it up as soon as you said that. But, you know, (laughs) for those of you who don't know, (laughs) Little House on the Prairie was, you know, a pretty popular television show from the mid 70s to the early 80s, you know, that dealt with frontier life. And uh, it's based on the series of children's books written by Laura Ingalls Wilder. And they took place in the 1800s, the late late 1800s. Yeah. I was totally (laughs) all about the books. (laughs) So you weren't too far off, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) It's extremely believable. Back at the jail, Jane is administering a temporary tattoo and appears to be adjusting quite well to life on the inside. Uh, The Morgendorfer sisters, meanwhile, finally pull into the -the hole-in-the-wall joint where Travis is meant to be auditioning for a gig. He leaves with Chumbawamba's amnesia playing him out, and the Morgendorfers are back on their way. In jail, Stan, our stranger who toured with Hendrix, is regaling Mystic Spiral with stories of how he taught a number of rock legends how to become rock legends. We get some stories about Sid Vicious and Gene Simmons. It's implied there are many more to come. Jane, meanwhile, finds herself in hot water over the tattoo she's giving her cellmate because it's an American flag in green ink and thus disrespects our nation's colors, which apparently earns her a trip to the sheriff. Which, all right. Uh, uh, Daria and Quinn pull into the parking lot of the sheriff's office, and when Daria goes to reach for the lane's money, she finds it missing. We get a fake cut to commercial, record scratch and all, as Quinn reveals that during a rest stop, she and Travis took spent the money on a shopping trip. And that's the actual end of Act 2. You know, <clears throat> I think that this episode touches on so much Americana um, and like what it is to be American, at least, you know, according to the media. Um, but like, they, I feel like they really nailed it with the, with the jail stuff. <laughs> you know, the idea of going on a road trip and 
and because you are out of state, you know, you're from out of state, the the, the cop is going to pull you over. You're going to get in trouble because you're an outsider. You know, <laughs> there's yeah. like this territorialism that happens. And, and then, of course, there's the whole is there's this really nice contrast of, you know, the American, you know, South um, or whatever this is kind of culture. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, juxtaposed with with the the rock and punk of of Mystic Spiral and and like the history of music behind them, you know. So it, yeah. it's really it's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I also I find it maybe I guess I don't know maybe I was unenlightened uh, at the time, but I feel like uh, late nineties, early two thousands, I would not have bought. Oh man, you know. All she did was draw an American flag in green ink. Why is that disrespectful? Why are you so pissed about it? Now I can totally buy that entire interaction going down. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really depends on the circles that you that you frequent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and maybe we just did not see that kind of nationalism, you know, when yeah. we were, you know, in in our in our circles. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think nine eleven did a whole lot to bring that bring that to the fore. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a nice little somber thing, <laughs> just drop in the middle of there. Mm. Um, uh, and I forgot to say, of course, you know what is more American than our ridiculous jail system? <laughs> yes, yeah. Very good point. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Man, this episode took a turn. I know. <laughs> Let's get us back on track. These vehicle interiors, they're actually really good. Yeah, yeah, so, they are not Somewhere bad. along the line. Somewhere along the line, the animators figured out how to do it. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Jane notes that the prison tattoo she's creating is an homage to Jasper Johns, who is an American painter known primarily for his more than 40 depictions of the U.S. flag. His most famous work is titled Flag. <laughs> it's a painting of the U.S. flag. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm selling him a bit short there uh, because he is an extremely accomplished painter whose works span like neo-Dadaism and pop art and, and a whole bunch of different uh, different genres. And, and a lot of it is... Uh, pretty abstract, um, but also kind of neat. I don't know. I like it. I actually really do like flag. There's something about it. <laughs> it looks pretty rustic and I enjoy that. Mr. Johns won the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2011 from uh, President Barack Obama, uh, which doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot because they're, you know, Sylvester Stallone has one. So, <laughs> but they're just handing them out. <laughs> you take a medal and you take a medal. Everybody yeah. gets medals now. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, we say that until we win the Presidential Medal of Freedom for podcasting. It, then, you know, it loses total legitimacy. <laughs> uh, also, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this is the only episode of Daria that ever used that fake toss to commercial bit. That's yeah, probably, probably good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you want can to only go to that well once. That. Yeah. 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 What did you think of that? Yeah, you know, it worked, I suppose. (laughs) 
I don't know. It's I, I don't really have an opinion. <laughs> it was a thing that was done and then and now it's done. <laughs> <laughs> this is the analysis you come to us for, folks. Yes. Quality, quality, presidential medal of freedom quality stuff. <laughs> Act three opens in the dive bar Daria and Quinn drop Travis off at where Vince Gill's After All These Years is playing and Daria's interrogation of the bartender goes absolutely nowhere. Daria drags Quinn out of the bar and is all set to give up, but Quinn convinces Daria to let her give it a shot and walks back into the bar in the full cowgirl regalia she and Travis purchased at the rest stop. She's able to talk herself into the good graces of basically every patron in the bar, and when one of them begins to step out of line a bit, Daria is there to quote some newly learned Conway Twitty to defuse things. The two begin to rake in the cash. Uh, back at the sheriff's office, Daria and Quinn walk through the door with their earnings, only to find that Jane and the band are with the sheriff, who isn't at the sheriff's office. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Man, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say, uh, because I have to say it, uh, we got a Buffy reference. Wait, where? <laughs> uh, when they are, when Quinn finally, when Quinn convinces all the cowboys to give up some money, they're all like walking up and handing in their cash. Uh, and Quinn says to Daria, something along the lines of, we'll get the money. We'll go pick up Jane. We'll be back at home in time for Buffy. Oh, I totally missed that. Yep. As far as I know, it's the only Buffy reference in, in all of Daria, but there it as is. As far as you know, but we have time. We do. <laughs> and episodes, several episodes. <laughs> we'll get there. I will again note that a mere 100 miles got the Morgendorfer women from the affluent mid-Atlantic suburb of Lawndale all the way to what appears to be backwater Texas. It's amazing, the variety of America, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is, is something I is something I always say about Southern New Jersey is that I really appreciate that you can drive half an hour inland from the beach and you will see basically every, you know, you'll see a city, you'll see a suburb, you'll see rural America, you'll see farmland, you'll see, you know, commercial and, and it's, it's an insanely yeah. dense area and it varies a whole lot. Yes. And you'll certainly see people who believe they are in the American South and not South Jersey. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's all we should say about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's all we should say about that. <laughs> Uh, I did appreciate the this interaction between the deputy and this woman in the sheriff's office. Where he, he says, I'm not going to have to come out and stop you from chasing your husband with a skillet again, am I? And she says, that depends. Do you think you could come out and stop him from saying or doing something stupid first? And his response was, I wish, but I don't have time to ride herd on every stupid man in this county, especially judges. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a lot of like um very good like spousal jokes here <laughs> right <laughs> including um you know the the interaction between jake and helen at the beginning of the episode you know about like where's my earring 
oh, how should I know? I don't wear your earrings. Well, <laughs> I don't wear your shoes, but somehow I'm always tripping on them. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I found that very relatable <laughs> and funny. Yeah. The the dialogue in here is very good. Um, yes. There's so many little, so many little bits and pieces here that just really keep everything moving and make it enjoyable. And it's so like fast paced that you can actually miss some of it. And, and I don't know, all of that is, is very good. And it's not what I would expect from this writing duo. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pleasantly surprising. By the yeah. way, I am the one that's leaving my shoes everywhere. I <laughs> <laughs> should clarify that. You only have the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we cut to the local VFW where the sounds of screaming children coming from inside are, it turns out, a signal of a fate worse than jail, a kid's birthday party. Oh, yes. Jane, yeah. Jane's mm. giving temporary tattoos to children and also the sheriff, who's a big fan of Picasso, and the band, alongside Stan, is playing music. Together, they're working off their debt. Daria hands off the songbook and the band, in front of a bunch of eight-year-olds, launches into Paingasm. <laughs> Following the party, the band packs up and everybody hits the road. Quinn notes that her and Daria made a good team on this little sojourn, and the sisters share a nice moment to the tune of Tender by Blur before Quinn refers to Daria as timid for the third time this episode. And, per the rules of the three-beat, that's just too much for Daria to abide. Unfortunately for Travis, he happens to be walking alongside the road right when this conversation's going down. Daria, insisting she's not timid, proceeds to nearly run Travis down while plowing right over his suitcase. A newly terrified Quinn turns on the radio, which is playing Because of You by 98 Degrees. Daria switches it to Fire on the Mountain by the Marshall Tucker Band, because she has that kind of sway now, and we roll credits to Trouble by Shampoo. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right off the bat... I'm not crazy in thinking that this rendition of I've been working on the railroad is by a long shot the best thing we've heard out of Mystic Spiral, right? Oh, you're not crazy at all. I mean, <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's not cut. Like, I, I, I want to keep on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we've got what, like three minutes left in this episode? Let's just... <laughs> all Mystic Spiral. <laughs> yeah. It was very good. I also, I really wanted to hear what Pangasm sounded like. Yeah. Well, so maybe better to end on that high point. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what it sounds like, it's not as good as whatever I've got in my head. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yet again, you know, this, this interaction between Daria and Quinn is just great. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get that nice moment between them. We get, uh, but we also still get that, you know, sisterly butting of heads. Uh, it's just really well done. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Again, a nice surprise, huh? <laughs> Very much so. And I guess we're totally just going to shrug it off, but Daria definitely did almost kill a man. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we often talk about um, episodes that like w episodes where Daria lacks agency and, 
you know, we are literally like in on the ride here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she, you know, she is the driver. <laughs> <laughs> and and remembering my experience driving, you know, as as you know, a new driver, you know, I I can see myself, you know, I, as if I were to view this as you know a teenager, I could see myself totally being there for Daria's experience the entire time, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she did almost kill a guy, and that was. <laughs> A little horrifying, but also very satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we can't give Daria too much agency. (laughs) Look what she does with it. It's dangerous. (laughs) Like between the overweight woman ordering chocolates, uh, the nursing home residents that she was reading to, and now Travis, Daria is racking up attempted murders, (laughs) like left and right. To be fair, the nursing home residents were trying to commit suicide when she read to them. (laughs) Well, that just means that Daria is accessorizing. (laughs) Ah, hey, you brought it back around. Yeah, there you go. Good job. (laughs) I guess it's fair fair to mention it now. This episode is by far the best thing that they've, that Johnson and Marcel wrote. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it 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 may end up ranking, you know, higher than the 30s. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, 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 we may not want to get into it too much at this point, you know, because of the episode rankings section or whatever. But like, um, you, you know, they did handle the Daria and Quinn relationship and dynamic really well, you know, and, um, and there was a clear story arc and some really interesting like depictions of, of America in, you know, our hearts and minds. (laughs) 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 I don't know. I, I, it was enjoyable. Yeah. It's interesting that when we say, and I, and I wonder how this plays for individuals listening to this from other countries where like, we never, (laughs) there's never an instance of like an episode that would take place in a city and we, and we would say like, oh yeah, that was so like America, (laughs) but an episode takes place in like bumblefuck, you know, bumblefuck backwater, wherever. And we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's so American. Yeah. You know, when um when Jeff and I got married, we had our friends um visit from Germany and we were driving through like Hamilton, Hamilton, New Jersey to mm-hmm. uh we were driving through Hamilton, New Jersey to get our marriage license, I believe. And you know, there are a lot of old houses um, you know, in the center of that that area and kind of like colonial looking houses, you know, um, a little run down, whatever. And and my friend was like, This is so American. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, huh. 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And really, it just takes, you know, that outside perspective to kind of shift your own, uh, you know, to not take for granted, (laughs) you know, the culture that you're living in and, and how that is expressed everywhere, you know? Yeah. And I guess like I, I worry that I've drifted a little too far into sort of slamming the South a couple times <laughs> this episode. Like I don't there's a there's a level of, of elitism to that, I guess, that I that I'm, you know, not particularly proud of. Um but like I I've been to the South a number of times. I've never had any problems in the South whatsoever. Uh I like what I've seen of it. <laughs> um uh it is portrayed in a very certain way in this episode and you know maybe you find that way disrespectful maybe you find it accurate uh i think it's kind of like straddling the line between the two um but yeah i I want to kind of cut that off ahead of time (laughs) yeah i I don't think the entire south is just a total hellhole yes yeah (laughs) thank you for (laughs) for saying that (laughs) yeah I got I got a lot of family down there, <laughs> and they're all wonderful people, and they know a lot of wonderful people, uh, you know. But yeah, there's there's a certain. It's interesting how it's depicted in in our media, and you know, like you were talking about how that image ends up filtering out, you know, to people who people abroad. Yeah, and but not just that. I mean, I had mentioned that there are people in the. There are people in southern New Jersey who adopt that, you know, toxic identity that's depicted of the of the American South. You know, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and they they lean hard into it. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, <sighs> <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> But it's it's all about it's all about the 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 depiction, um, which makes things simplified, you know, two D. You know, it strips away the complications. You know, it, it, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, and and so then it's easy for people who are outside of that to pick that up and you know, just do terrible things with it. (laughs) Yeah. I think what it comes down to is like, if you're, you know, if your idea of leaning into Southern heritage is like, Hey, I'm going to like mint juleps and, (laughs) and have a lot of, uh, and hospitality (laughs) and hospitality and fried foods. And, and, you know, if that's your idea of leaning into it, then more power to you. Uh, if your idea of leaning into it is like Confederate flags and, uh, overt racism, then maybe go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I'm 100% behind you there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, boy, howdy, yeah. did we drift a little bit? Oh, well, that's kind of what we do. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, our I think our cultural context kind of touches on this a little bit. So maybe do we want to dive into that? Oh, yeah, sure. As we've harped on more than a few times now, this episode, despite supposedly taking place less than 100 miles from Lawndale, features a slew of references to the American South and Southwest. The accents are super heavy, 
everybody is wearing a Stetson hat with a bunch of denim and a giant belt buckle. The climate is arid. The music is country. It's a fairly standard depiction of that area of the United States. It's not entirely unlike how the Daria Hunter featured a ton of direct references to American media's take on Vietnam. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) uh, One of those references, which somehow manages to be both subtle and overt, is to Thelma and Louise, the 1991 film featuring Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon as two young women on the run from the law in the Southwest. Uh, while Daria and Quinn's journey ends much less eventfully, uh, they do meet their own shifty cowboy character in Travis, who is a direct reference to Thelma and Louise's JD, played by Brad Pitt. American country music star Conway Twitty also plays a surprisingly pivotal role in this episode, as he's referenced by name a few times. Specifically, his song Don't Call Him a Cowboy, which is two minutes and 36 seconds of Conway Twitty telling some hapless New York City girl um, not to fall for the fake cowboy in his French designer blue jeans and his custom tailored vest, because real cowboys fuck way better. (laughs) Well, Twitty is is more subtle about it, but (laughs) that's basically the whole song. (laughs) It's a lot of references to riding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jane also references the work of Jasper Johns, uh, who we mentioned a little bit earlier. And and while pop art's reach tends to be metropolitan in nature, Johns's uh, rough-hewn depictions of the American flag have slotted in nicely with the sensibilities of the modern American South. Can't speak to how many sheriffs in that region might have an affinity for Picasso, uh, much as Picasso painted on their bare stomachs, but <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> and finally, there is the reference to Little House on the Prairie, which we talked about a little bit earlier. It is a series of autobiographical fiction written by Laura Ingalls Wilder, depicting her family's experience settling in various places in the American Midwest in the late 1800s. The novels focus on Um, Laura's coming of age in this rugged environment, learning the fundamentals of homesteading and often failing at it. Um, And it really captures those good old American ideals of self-reliance, survivalism, and um, manifest destiny. (laughs) It's not always too kind to Native Americans. So there's that. I mean, it's, you know... It's not an honest depiction of it's not an honest depiction of frontier life if it isn't actively fucking over the native population. Yep, ain't that the truth? Uh, and and that's you know to that's kind of a microcosm of sort of this entire the entire way the media views you know the American Southwest. This is not an unfamiliar depiction of life in the Southwest and the South, like. We've seen this tons and tons of times. Like I'm, I'm sure there are, you know, too many TV tropes pages that cover this exact situation. You know, you're in a dusty town, you're a stranger in it, and and everybody's dressed differently and they talk differently, and and the, and everybody knows everybody because the town has like 15 people. <laughs> um, so you're either going to jail or going to get murdered. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> 
but if you can get in their good graces, they're just the most hospitable people you'd ever want to meet. Like it, it's, you know, this is a, this again, it's a very familiar depiction of, of life in that region. Now I've never lived in that region. I've known a couple people from uh, either from there or who have lived there. And, you know, they, they'll probably tell you, and like from my conversations with them, they'll probably tell you like, yeah, some of this is not entirely inaccurate, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also some of it is, is obviously played up for comedic effect and for the situation. And, uh, and that's fine. You know, that's just, that's just kind of part and parcel. That's just how it goes. I will, uh, maybe we'll, we'll get into it a little bit further, uh, in the episode rankings. I was going to say that, um, I think what's interesting about about the way that this like whole adventure to this south southwest kind of place <laughs> this <laughs> cowboy town you know is probably the best way we could describe it um is that is that Daria comes out of it with a little of that cowboy swagger you know <laughs> so like she's taking i mean she does try to kill somebody but (laughs) (laughs) again we can't give her too much power exactly exactly um it's dangerous uh but but you know it is it is touched on several times um by quinn and per the three beat rule you know that daria is too timid and you know, and we can see her white knuckling in the car, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, uh, it 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 ends with her having more confidence and and that cowboy swagger. So, hey, it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think this is one of those episodes where I'm gonna I'm I'm probably going to come in um, the episode rankings thinking a lot more highly of the episode than when I actually viewed it. All right. I know. I mean, not a lot higher, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, okay. Well, getting out of ourselves by like, by like 30 seconds. (laughs) Do we want to rank this episode? Yes. Yes, we do. (laughs) All right. So I found myself liking this episode way, way more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I do think, again, this it reminds me a little bit of the Daria Hunter. It reminds me a little bit of Depth Takes a Holiday, where like this is this was very clearly an idea of, you know, hey, wouldn't it be fun to do like a Southwest episode? Like, wouldn't it be fun to do an episode that covers all these tropes? Wouldn't it be fun to see how these characters interact to this situation? Right. Even though, like we've said a couple of times now, it makes no damn sense for for these characters to be in these places geographically or situationally. (laughs) So to that extent, it's like, it's a little bit forced, but that is really the only thing that I find myself tripping up on with this episode the rest of it I'm enjoying. So I don't think that it is nearly as forced as say the Daria Hunter, which we've compared this to. Um, No, 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 not at all. I mean, I mean, our complaint with the Daria Hunter was that, um, that episode didn't know its audience, 
But as I said before, this episode, it like clearly hits on, you know, something is something that most teenagers will be able to relate to. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, this new driver experience. And, you know, as I said before, like I would have been like with Daria. <laughs> I would I would be right there beside her <laughs> if I were doing yeah. this, you know, as, as a teenager. So so it knows its audience a lot better than than the Daria Hunter. Yeah. And I, I when I make that comparison is I think this is when you have a concept like, hey, let's let the the gimmick of the episode drive the episode. Uh I think that can go one of two ways. <laughs> uh and I think the Daria Hunter and Depth Takes a Holiday are one of the ways that can go. And then uh something like Speed Trapped is the other way it can go. And I think it's it's done well. It's that concept actually it's that concept being borne out in a way that actually does respect the characters and give us uh some depth to their interactions uh more than you would get out of more than we got out of the daria hunter more than we got out of depth takes a holiday you know we we're seeing these people interact in meaningful ways and we're actually getting things done character wise as opposed to just kind of like playing in the space of hey we're in the southwest isn't that funny uh, right. And I really appreciate that. Like, I think that's extremely well done. And hey, now our two main characters, well, you know, Daria and Jane have licenses. So there's something <laughs> <laughs> getting things done. <laughs> Someone had to finally, you know, do that. Someone had to be like, well, I'm the writer that's going to give them their licenses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make these people mobile. (laughs) The rest of you have to deal with the consequences. Yeah. Everybody's like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Except for Travis. Travis is not thrilled about it. No, no. Well, he did get some new duds out of it. That's true. That's true. But now they've got tire tracks in them. So Mm. a little bit of soap won't, you know, won't hurt for that. That just makes them more rugged. (laughs) So then where are you thinking? This episode should land. Do you have do you have a an idea? A proposal? <laughs> I would put this episode pretty damn high. Oh boy. Because I'm I'm trying to think of things I don't like about it. And I can't think of anything I really don't like about it. Uh and it was and it like you know, the dialogue was very snappy. It 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 just moved pretty well. And so I'm looking up toward like uh, it happened one nut. I'm looking up toward Lane Miserables. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it does have a lot of the elements that we like about it, right? Uh, about Daria. You know, it focuses on Daria. It has Jane and Mystic Spiral in it. <laughs> it has their best performance to date. <laughs> oh, that's so true. It's so true. Some good Jake and and Helen interaction, but also not too much in the parent department, you know? Yeah. Which I find is often, I mean, I do like the episodes that, that feature the two of them um, because they're hilarious. But for some reason, when you have an adolescent protagonist, 
it seems to work when there's not as much of a parent element. <laughs> Weird how that works. <laughs> yeah. And like the younger the protagonist gets, you know, the the more absent the parent figure is. Have you noticed this? <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you're about to give a monologue. <laughs> well, well, you know. <laughs> you guys read about I this? Could, I, I could give a few lectures, and I may have in the past, but <laughs> I will refrain from it now. <laughs> Not the place. Anyway, um, so so around it happened when not Lane Miserable. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I called it Lane Miserables, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it could go either way. Yeah. So my my thing with that placement is I think that that's kind of the demarcating line between if I hope I'm using that word correctly um between like episodes that actually between like very good episodes that also have you know a bit a bit of depth a bit of of you know valuable character interaction to them versus episodes that are just a whole hell of a lot of fun right and um, that does put it into the top 10. It does, and, yeah. And it would knock Cafe Disaffecto out of the top 10. It which would. Is, is pretty momentous. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm okay with that, though. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, look, I love Cafe Disaffecto. No, oh, we no all know you it. do. Yeah. <laughs> But I think you know we've we've come far enough, and I mean, like, look, we are we still have three, yeah, we still have three more episodes left in this season, right? And we have one, two, three, four. We have four episodes from the third season in the top ten, which means, yeah, it's it's already <laughs> it has more episodes in the top ten than any of the other seasons so far. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So I think there there is a level of quality that we've kind of come to expect from the show now that, you know, initially Cafe Disaffecto was kind of all we were getting. <laughs> yes. This is true. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, since then, like I don't know, the show's just gotten better. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's a good thing. <laughs> if it weren't, I'd be like, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, <laughs> you're just insane. I'm no longer your friend. <laughs> well, that's harsh. You have very questionable tastes. You have <laughs> shitty Daria opinions. <laughs> oh boy. So, so then, um, like, I'm trying to think of an argument for like being more specific in placement. Because you, you're kind of like circling around this particular area. Yes. Um, like, do we think this episode is better than It Happened One Nut? You know, with all the nut jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode, even though, you know, like I mentioned, there it, there's a little bit of laziness there to the whole like, oh, it's it's the Southwest, isn't that funny? We're gonna hang the episode on that. I think there's a there's a shade of laziness there, but uh, I think they go out of their way to kind of overcome that and and actually do some really 
interesting stuff and do some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for putting these characters in a very different situation uh, from what we've seen before and actually pulling it off really well. Mm-hmm. To me, you know, that makes it a little bit better than it happened one nut. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I think there's there's like a hard stop there because right above there is the misery chick and this episode is not better than the misery chick. Right, right. <laughs> but I think, you know, if if pressed, I think I would put it at at uh number 8 above it happened one nut. Yeah. You know, I think um to support that is is the fact that we get very clear character growth with Daria as, you know, I was saying before like she she ends the episode with more confidence. With it happened when not, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, she ends the episode without a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of back into her comfort zone, uh, but with the knowledge that you know her mother and her best friend are, you know, they have her back. Um, yeah. So, so you know, it's not as clear of, um, you know, development maybe as, as what we get in, in, um, speed trapped. I think it happened one nut, uh, got carried very far by the fact that it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a very (laughs) funny episode. Uh, and I, I think that's most of its charm. You do have those, that, those excellent Jane moments you have, uh, like you mentioned, just really great Helen, uh, in that episode. But I think overall, it was just a matter of this episode is a lot of fun to watch and I would gladly watch it again uh, over something like, you know, Jake of Hearts or uh, Monster or Too Cute, uh, which I think is what elevated it above that like 13 to 16 range. Mm-hmm. You know? All right. Well, I, I am I am okay with your assessment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than okay. <laughs> All right, so that puts Speed Trapped at number eight, uh, right below the Misery Chick, right above It Happened One Nut. Sam Johnson and Chris Marshall. <laughs> what happened? Right. Like, <laughs> is it possible for there to have been a greater disparity between the stuff that we saw before and what we saw here? Good job. Seriously. Also, of course, it's the last episode they ended up doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were just like, well, that's the best we can do. See you guys. <laughs> that's what we got. Peace out. And with that, like, season three is now half of our top 10. Oof. That's kind of crazy. And I don't feel bad about any of it. No, no, not at all. Uh, so before we get to our housekeeping, we did get a little bit of fan response after our last episode. So let's go ahead and dig into that. Yes. Uh, so we did some chatting last week about radio, its impact on our adolescent years, uh, what kind of impact, well, we, we pondered out loud what kind of impact it might have on the youth of today. Uh, and we heard from a listener, uh, M reached out to us on Facebook to let us know. So M said, Hey, as someone born in 1998, I want to answer your call. I know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was trying not to comment on it, but wow. (laughs) Anyway, you know, the world moves on from, you know, the 80s. So (laughs) early 90s, you know. Um, Anyway, M says, hey, as someone born in 1998... I wanted to answer your call about how we youngins relate to radio. I was never into pop music. I was never that into pop music. So most of my alone time was spent listening to CDs or Broadway musical soundtracks and 70s bands. Awesome. (laughs) In the car, my parents and I would listen to the radio. And I particularly remember when my mom would drive me home from basketball practice and we'd have to listen to the Delilah show which my mom hated, but there Same. weren't any others. I don't know what the Delilah show is. What is the Delilah show? Oh, it show? sucks. Oh my God. So the Delilah show is, it plays on, I think it's 90, it plays on 96.9, but it's a, it's a syndicated show for like, I guess like the seven to nine hours or something like that, or it's, it's toward the nighttime, but it's this very low talking, very quiet and borderline sultry uh lady dj who's just talking about the the joys and and the uh the wonders of of being in love and loving uh loving one another in in a tender kind of way and i'm going to dedicate this song to so and so and so and so just called me and they want to dedicate this song to so and so because they've been together for 40 years and isn't that the most amazing thing oh boy It never stops. And this lady has like one tone and it's all she knows. And it's so bad. Wow. So yeah, I'm very much on board with M's mom. Yeah. Yeah. So M, that just, it sounds like a special level of hell. Um, it is. The jingle is like, the jingle is like, Delilah, love someone tonight. Wow. <laughs> It it sucks the moon clear out of the sky. It's awful. <laughs> oh man! So M says that you know it was the Delilah show or nothing. <laughs> there weren't any other stations that she liked, so uh, we stuck with it. Uh, I also remember in elementary school, which went to grade eight. Hey, right there with you, M. <clears throat> um, We would eat our lunch in our classrooms as our school wasn't big enough to have a cafeteria. Wow. I at least had a cafeteria. Um, (laughs) And and from grade four- Did you just flex on (laughs) something? Man. I mean, (laughs) I had to. Um, For a minute, I'm like, I'm like, is this like my best friend, M? <laughs> no, no, we had a cafeteria, um, and she says, <laughs> continuing anyway, uh, from grade four to eight, we had control over the class radio, and we would listen to the pop radio station while we ate and hung out with our friends. That sounds so cool. My first pop music memories are all from my classroom lunch periods. Thanks for the great show. Awesome. I just realized that she couldn't have been my friend M because she was born in 1998. So much, much younger than me. (laughs) Oh my God. I still, I love the idea of you being like, we had a cafeteria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
we had to walk up to the only school teacher and she would squeeze the cow's udders and give us our milk <laughs> instead of it coming in cartons, but we had a cafeteria. Well, to be fair, when I was in attendance at my school, there was a, a an addition that was built onto the school. So I can't remember the cafeteria situation before then. Also, I remember <laughs> when I was like in, what was it, like third grade or something, there there was like um a class like the the advanced class you know <laughs> that would that would meet in a trailer outside of the school <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> i was in that trailer <laughs> If you had to go to the bathroom, everybody could hear you. <laughs> but you had a cafeteria, damn it. <laughs> God, I love it. Uh, so I think the 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 thing that that M kind of highlighted for us here and what we were talking about in in that episode was so many adolescent memories kind of get forged around radio and around mm-hmm you know, a lot of the, a lot of our intake of it, you know, because a lot of it is, is driving around with your parents or driving around with your friends. And it's just kind of the soundtrack to your life in certain aspects. And, um, and so, yeah, some of it sticks out and it's why I, I will go to my grave remembering that Delilah jingle. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I, I, I did notice that the, the scenarios that she gave us um, you know, they all involved her being with other people, you know, it wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't listening to the radio by yourself, but, you know, always in a social setting, which is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much, Em, for writing in and thank you for the kind words. Thank you, Em. Yeah, we always, we always love hearing from folks and we especially, uh, you know, love hearing from people with, with, you know, that much, you know, direct experience. That were born in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's maybe that's maybe what I was getting at is like <laughs> I'll say it for you. <laughs> please. But yeah, it's it's awesome to hear that, you know, there are some aspects of uh of my own <laughs> my own upbringing that are that still kind of hold true. I don't know. Maybe that's just that's comforting to me in these my twilight years. Your uh, twilight years, oh please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 33, right, I, I might as well be dead. I mean, I know you just had heart surgery, but come on, old man. (laughs) Uh, All right. So I think that about wraps it up. Yes. That does, in fact, wrap it up for this episode of Morgan Dorks. Uh, check out our Patreon. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Morgan Dorks. Uh, for a buck a month, you can support our silly little mission and listen to an unedited version of each podcast a few days before it airs. I will say, hey, uh, Patreon listeners, sorry that this one's getting to you a little bit late. We recorded this episode a day later than we usually do, so there wasn't really a whole lot of time to, to get it over to you guys, so you'll get it, like I think, a day early. As always, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at MorganOrks, email us at MorganOrks at gmail.com, or check out our website, MorganOrks.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so check us out on fb.me slash MorganOrks.podcast, or just take the much easier route and search for us on there. Uh, we'll show up. <laughs> 
Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Daria Reborn. Link is in the show notes. As always, thank you, Nissa. Hey, Rob. Thank you. Hey, and thank you, listeners. We'll see you again in two weeks for Season 3, Episode 11, The Lawndale File, here on Morgan Norks. 